Welcome to Georgia Songbirds. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. We are here, Mr. Ben Bostic. Right? <laughs> Introduce yourself, Ben. I'm Ben Bostic, as Jesse said. Um, what else do you want to know? <laughs> uh, how'd you get started? I know you're from. Are you from around here? I'm from Beaufort, South Carolina. Oh, so. okay. Originally from South Carolina. Yeah, about five-ish, probably six hours from here, I guess, okay. on the coast by Savannah, Georgia, basically. Okay. So, you, how long have you lived here? I lived here for just over a year, but I was I was all over the place in between. Okay. So. <laughs> now, you know, it's for just for a year. I see you in the music scene all over the place. I mean, you're everywhere. I got to meet you for the first time a couple weeks ago at the yeah, showdown in person. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen your music and I've seen you playing, and I, I've never got to really meet you. So yeah, I'm glad I did, man. You're you're really talented. Thank you very much. So yeah, I've been here. I moved here basically just before the pandemic started okay and uh you know it's been a weird weird start to to my life in georgia but it's been good i love the scene here the people here super nice and one of the first things i did was play at uh at mad life in that that talent showcase they had the new artist showcase the, yeah undiscovered yeah undiscovered yeah. that's what it's called and i met greg shaddix and greg introduced me to a bunch of people and then through that it just sort of rolled a little bit so now you're playing out all over the place too right all over the place now yeah. do you do music full-time or full-time yeah oh, nice. so you don't have to work anywhere else that's it that's the dream that's the dream when somebody says when, when you're making it that's it that's it i made it i came to it sort of late i um before i lived here i was in la for nine years oh wow and i was in la for totally not for music at all i moved there to write screenplays with oh, my really? with my buddy there and uh, we like we weren't having that much luck. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get a green light project like Ben and no, Matt. No, we got we got like some stuff like sort of going, but nothing nothing really happened. A couple couple indie movies got made. Oh, that's but cool. It's cool, but it wasn't a, a living. No, it was not like nowhere close to a living. It was just cool. <laughs> Say so. So tell me how then the, the screenplay works. When you're writing a screenplay, mm -hmm. how do you write a screenplay? I know there's a lot of stuff that it depends. It depends on like what the situation is. But when I was writing, when I had been writing with my partner, mm -hmm. it was a lot. We were writing the comedies, so we would go in there and we would just start throwing stuff at each other, trying to make each other laugh. And, okay. Um, storyboarding, right? Story. Well, yeah, not even storyboarding is. That's like more of the term for uh, when there's like a visual artist who like writes the oh, okay. draws the ideas for how it's gonna look. I gotcha. We were like just bullshit <laughs> just, um, and then we'd find something that really made each other laugh and then we'd sort of run with that and then we'd brainstorm about the plot ideas and then we'd just hit it and start writing writing the script and then I've also written some alone where you know you just come up with an idea and you sort of sketch it out and make it bigger and bigger I've done some work on other people's movies that they needed like a a script doctor for they call uh, it like you come in and, and fix it up um that was the latest one that got made was one of those i came in and this guy who was directing a movie needed some help because he wrote the screenplay himself okay and i came in and just sort of streamlined everything got rid of a bunch of stuff that didn't really need to be there and that got made it was great it was actually like number four on netflix for like oh. a couple of weeks it was crazy so what can you say what movie it was yeah it was called um the ghost who walks ghost who walks. and it was directed by my friend cody and uh it was it was like a i mean the 
budget for the movie was really low. I must, I have, I don't honestly know what it was, <laughs> but it was pretty low, but it got traction somehow on Netflix and became super popular. Uh, partly because Snoop Dogg really loved it. Oh. <laughs> he like, he made all these like videos about how much he loved the movie. It was crazy. It never hurts to have Snoop Dogg. Put never. On something. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> We're going to get your music, I swear, but I, I I like that. That stuff interests me a lot. So when you're writing a screenplay, do mm-hmm. you write um, like the stage directions, the entries, and stuff like that? You do. So when it depends on what stage you're at. So like if you're trying to write, if you're going to write a screenplay and try to sell it, okay, you write as little screen direction in there as possible because okay. um, you, you don't want it to you don't want to do the directing in the screenplay. You. you want to, you want it to be a really fast read. So you want it to be like, here's where we are. Here's what's happening. And this is the dialogue. And you leave out like the camera swoops in and yada, yada. You don't, okay. you don't put that in there. But for example, the one that I rewrote, the director was the original writer. So there was all sorts of that kind of stuff in there. Cause he already had the visual, gotcha. the vision for it. So we helped do that and sort of like, have ideas for what the camera was going to be doing, where the actors were going to be. So it's a little beefier in that stage than it okay. is in the, when you're just trying to sell a screenplay. Now, did you get to meet any of the people that you actually wrote for? Or did you just write it and then you're, you're done. You just watch it in the movie like everybody else. Yeah. Well, you get to meet the other, like the director and producers and stuff like that. You're not really invited on set. <laughs> I guess Nobody it's like the, the songwriters in the studio. Yeah. You're not invited to the studio. You're not when invited you give it to the artist. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we don't need your vision. We got it. Go yeah. enjoy your chance. Yeah, exactly. There's for some reason, the the screenwriter in Hollywood is like in the corner. They're like the gremlin oh. that like puts out the stuff, and then the director and the producers come in and really make it, which is true. To I mean, like a, a screenplay. I guess a screenplay is sort of like if you got the just a a chart for a song. Mm-hmm. It was like G C D and these are the words. That's like not even a melody, nothing. Right. That's sort of like what a screenplay yeah, is. Yeah, like lyricist would be like a screen. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like the real just like in a song, what makes a song great is more the performance, mm-hmm. you know, than anything else, or the production, every right. all that sort of stuff. Rather than just the harmony and the words. Yeah. So yeah. And, and there's a lot of pieces going into the music, just like the movies. You got mm-hmm. the melody and you got the the chord progression, like mm-hmm. you said. And to make it, I, I like stories. So mm-hmm. to hear story wise, tell a story. Mm-hmm. Now I'm listening to rock. I don't necessarily need a story, but mm-hmm. I better have a guitar solo in there. That's right. <laughs> it's about the energy. Rock. And yeah. you listen to Snoop Dogg. That's a whole different thing. Uh huh. So That's just about the beat and the flow. The, right, the beat and the flow. And yeah, <laughs> I loved him in the '90s. Snoop Dogg, oh, yeah. if you're listening, come on. I know this is Georgia Songbird, but I'll have you on. Come on. Oh yeah, come on, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I know the all the words to the to the uh, doggy style record, man. Oh, I love that <laughs> album. Oh man, he came. What was that? He first came out with Dr. Dre, and then he did yeah, that on the like, original uh, Chronic. He yeah. was on those tracks. Yeah. And then it was. Uh, what's my name right That's, yeah because yeah, yeah. all those good George Clinton samples man they just had like the the original like G-Funk stuff is so good it's like the production is amazing the flow is amazing the young Snoop Dogg his voice is fantastic yeah before he got too baked you know <laughs> <laughs> oh he's got enough money he doesn't doesn't matter now doesn't matter. he puts his name on he can do whatever the hell he wants exactly to. <laughs> so I know that <laughs> the, he talked about like the putting her stamp on it and, and the money stuff like that for him it's 
the nineties music is different. Like now when you were learning to play, what were you listening to that made you kind of, I mean, going from a screenplay to, to music, it's not that big of a leap because it's kind of intertwined, but what made mm-hmm. you want to go to the music? Well, music was before too. So mm-hmm. I grew up like I got my first guitar when I was, I don't know, 12 or something like that. Middle, okay. middle school age. And, um, I played, I had like an uncle that played, showed me some stuff and I began sort of writing immediately, had the high school bands, that kind of stuff. And, um, but it was, you know, I was, uh, in a small town in South Carolina. There was no music venues. There's nothing like that. I just didn't think me, I I should be a musician. It wasn't like an option. Right. Um, if you told somebody you wanted to be a musician, it was sort of like saying you wanted to be a wizard. Or <laughs> You'd be like, good luck. Right. Go be a musician. Still um, that way for a lot of people. I hear that. I mean, yeah, it's um, especially pre-internet. I mean, I'd never seen a show before like, yeah. until I was much older, you know. Um, so then I went to I went to college and that sort of like opened, like blew my mind because there was all these people who were from different places who were mm-hmm. doing stuff and like majoring in and stuff like film production. You're just yeah. like, this is crazy. Like how <laughs> the concept of making a movie was even crazier than like making music for a living. So I think the, the filmmaking thing fascinated me so much just because mm-hmm. it was so far and so crazy. Like the fact that people that were 18, 19 were like, Oh yeah. Doing that was mind blowing. So, after a few years of like doing some random stuff after I got out of college, I like worked on a ranch, wrote for a newspaper and stuff. I I decided to try my hand at like in the movie business. Mm-hmm. And so I moved I was I was in Seattle writing for a paper and I was dating a girl that was in the film industry. Okay. Got like a little job as a like a grunt on a film set. They mm-hmm. call it PA, which is like it stands for production assistant. Yeah. And your job is to do what it, nobody else does. <laughs> like you pick up the trash, yep. you go and get people when they're needed on set, like just anything. You're mm-hmm. a gopher basically. Yep. Um, and then from that I started being a film loader. So like when you actually had film cameras, there was a guy that had to make sure that the cameras were always loaded with film and you had extra magazines of film ready to go. So I did that for a while. Then I worked on the production end and I got really bored basically, uh, on set because mm-hmm. it wasn't it was very making a movie is very far from like enjoying a movie <laughs> oh yeah I, I used to be i've done a couple movies uh-huh. that's like extra stuff too and you're there yeah. for like one scene all day all day and it yeah. is not as luxurious as it seems i mean the first time i, w- I did a movie it was passing glory for tnt mm-hmm. and i pulled up and i didn't know where to go because it really wasn't signs or anything mm-hmm. so i had to park in my truck where they were shooting the film, and the director did not like me after that. So <laughs> he's just gotta get that son of a bitch out of moving. You know, it's, it's like, okay, I just decide. Sorry, I'll move the thing. Yeah. And then uh, I was in Remember the Titans. Oh, nice. So I was a cop in Remember the Titans. Oh, cool, man. And again, he had to go get the wardrobe and a haircut. And yeah, you're there all day long. Mm-hmm. And then you're shooting a scene for, I mean, my scene lasted 10 seconds, 15 seconds, but it took eight hours to shoot the whole thing because it. I mean, it, it is crazy. It's crazy. And it's, I mean, it's like, I'm sure your first time, second time on set was cool. Cause you see all this yeah. stuff everywhere. It's like, it's like a little army that's mobilizing, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you can also imagine that doing it day in and day out for oh, years 
is the glamour fades. <laughs> yeah, especially like what you're doing. Like, start all the yeah, work and you know, sort of stuff. at least you wouldn't like on a Tom Cruise set get yelled at by Tom Cruise. No. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't taken with the production into stuff, so I decided to try to try my hand at the writing, basically. Okay. Um, and I had got in college, my degree was in English, so I had like a writing background. I wrote for a newspaper and stuff. So, it was sort of a natural way of getting into the creative side yeah. of things. Um, but, you know, as as with anything creative, it's tough to get in that door at first. Mm-hmm. And I never quite cracked it, you know, on a on a big scale. And I imagine out in California, it's like going to Nashville. It's like there's so many people. You throw a rock and Dude. you're going to hit 15 different artists or 15 different Dude. screenwriters. You know, Everybody, every cab driver, bus driver, mm-hmm. like McDonald's employee has 10 screenplays. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's the same as the Nashville with songs. You I, know? Can, I can only imagine that stuff. And I'm, I'm now in Georgia, they're doing more movies, so I'm sure it's starting mm-hmm. to pick up now. I mean, even in Canton, they're doing a movie, Hawkeye. Oh, cool. They're shooting Hawkeye. Because I had to go to the probate court, and across the street, they had it all turned off because it's like you can't they, they had they had security guys just sitting outside making sure nobody parked wow crazy yeah and i don't i don't think anybody's there he's just sitting there making sure nobody i guess gets his mm-hmm. stuff and because you know everybody wants to see oh what is this you know mm-hmm. let's go in here and see what all they got going on and mm-hmm. just jump in they're gonna let us in the movie no they're not gonna let you hear so that led you from to, to screenwriting into music eventually right you yeah so i so while all this i was trying to make as a screenwriter my my buddy who I was screenwriting with had already been in like a band before I got there okay. and he, they needed a second guitar player so when I moved to town he was like you should be the other guitar player we had been in our high school band together we've okay. known each other since way back and uh, so I started playing guitar in that band and the lead singer of the band was one of those dudes who was just like an amazing hustler and promoter Yeah, you know like one of those dudes who's like we're gonna we're gonna get a show and sell it out, mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, cool. And then he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we started like we got a little following there. We're playing all the cool places mm-hmm. like that you may have heard of, like the Viper Room and the mm-hmm. Roxy and the Whiskey yeah. and like some of the more underground cool places. Now, what was the name of the band? It was called the Public Trust. Okay. Is there any way that people can find a Public Trust? On iTunes. Oh wow, stuff. still out there. Okay. Yeah, still probably on iTunes. I don't know if it's on Spotify. I haven't looked. <laughs> but uh, we like we started doing like pretty well and getting these big shows and stuff, and we started getting you know paid for things, and then we got a record deal offer. It was a whole mess. Basically, it, it all sort of unraveled in the end. But uh, it was my first taste of like, oh, you can actually do music for real. Right. And at that moment, I was like, I need to start doing like my own thing. Because I'd mm-hmm. always been writing songs and playing casually. And I was like, I just need to get some reps out like playing. So I started doing some open mics. And I didn't really like that very much because it was in L.A. to get the open mics. Yeah, are- pay, right? You got to pay five bucks and it's like a lot of them are two drink minimum after you pay your five bucks <laughs> and they last for like five hours and wow. you get to play one song and you, so you sit there for four hours and there's a bunch of kooks yep. who like barely know what they're doing or don't know what they're doing or mm-hmm. there to do something insane and then you go and play your one song to like the three people who are left. <laughs> it was just like a miserable experience and you'd be exhausted because you leave at like one in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I was like, there's got to be a better way just to like get some reps. And so I, long story short, I ended up playing busking out on the Santa Monica Pier, okay. which is, uh, if you ever see like pictures of LA, like in the intro to like some basketball game or something, mm-hmm. they always show a Ferris wheel out over the water mm-hmm. on this long pier. So on that pier, they have it set up so there are performers and it's like semi officially arranged. There are certain spots where you can be and there's a person who coordinates what times you're going to be there for a three hour slot. So it's not a free for all craziness. Like, because that's, if you go to Venice right down the boardwalk, it's free for all craziness and people are like fighting over spots. So anyway, Santa Monica Pier, way better. And also something like 20,000 tourists a day come up and down. So when you play out there, like tons of people see you mm-hmm. play and just, if you're like any good, you can make a decent amount of money because people are, you know, 20,000 people are coming by you. Right. Somebody's going to be like, Hey, I sort of like that song and throw a couple bucks. Yep. So the first time I did it and made a couple hundred bucks, I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> so I quit. I was working like all sorts of crazy jobs, still like dabbling in production and everything. I quit everything. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Right. And like get some reps. So I basically busked out on the Santa Monica Pier for like two years in, in a row. Okay. And that was like, that's how I got started now, <laughs> as they a make, musician. Get like a, a license for busking? There's a, a permit. Okay. So, and I know California oops. makes you have permits or license for everything. For everything. <laughs> this one was only like 30 bucks for a year, though. So oh, that's not, not that bad. bad. No. Yeah. That's, I wonder how much it is now in California because everything's higher. Everything's crazy, dude. <laughs> so you got to start busking in California. Yeah. That's a cool story. Mm-hmm. That's like a rocker story that, you know, if I, if you go on like these shows, like, like The Voice, American Idol, they have it. That, that's all they want is the stories. Oh, yeah, I was busking for two years in Santa Monica that's what it was and it was super fun I, I don't know if you've if if you've checked out my YouTube there's like videos of me doing a one man band thing I've seen that yeah that's, I so that's have the coordination to do that. that I started doing that on the pier okay because to get people's attention because if you're just out there with an acoustic guitar people some people will look yeah. but if you hear like the tambourine and the bass drum going people are like what's that and oh, it's yeah. also like a little bit of a freak show, which people like. People, uh, California. People, <laughs> people like to say, how, how is that possible? You know? Right. Um, so I started doing that out there. I can't remember where I was going with that story. Oh, yeah. So at the end of like my busking full time, I ended up getting the, like the LA, mag- LA uh, newspaper best street performer of the year Possible. award and everything. And that's sort of like, was it was insane to me because I'd been doing it for a couple of years and I didn't know what I was doing, but that helped sort of get me other gigs and I I started playing a bunch of wineries and clubs and stuff and by the time I moved here, at the end of 2019, um, I was playing like 250 shows a year all around California and stuff and that's how I became a full time musician. So what made you want to leave California to come to Georgia? had kids so okay. the the biggest thing was cost of living mm-hmm. and you know it, got, it had gotten to the point where you know the homeless problem is really terrible in LA yeah. um, so there would be you know drunk people or or yeah. drug addicted people like sleeping in our front yard you'd find crazy I mean it was not a, like a bad neighborhood or anything mm-hmm. it's just the homelessness is so crazy so when you're out there with your one year old 
You yeah. Know? And there's a guy passed out in your yard. <laughs> you go, maybe we should move somewhere else. We took the kids um, to Paris because my wife is from Germany. So mm-hmm. we went to Germany and they were newborn. They were maybe 18 months old, maybe. Um, twins? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Boy and girl twins. Cool, man. So we took them um, to Germany to meet her old mom. And then we took a train to Paris. And Paris was nothing like I, I could imagine. I mean, it was horrible. You get off the train station, and there's homeless, there's drugs. I mean, there's, there's people pissing on the road doing drug deals. It was not the – it surprised me. Mm-hmm. It really did because you see all – it's like L.A. You see all these pictures of stuff, and it looks so glamorous. And then you see what it's really like, and it's it's totally different. Totally different. Have yeah. you ever been to Paris? Yeah, actually, I actually went to – did a semester there in college for – whatever four months or whatever and it was yeah it's pretty rough yeah we stayed at the train the holiday inn right by the train station oh wow because <laughs> i didn't want to have to take kids had your wife been before no not to Paris. Oh, i don't think so she might she might have been i don't think she had to. she'd been to italy but i don't think she had been to Paris. dude i moved there it was in 2006 or seven something like that mm-hmm. and like right when i got there the metro people went on strike because of some French law was changing. And in France, the Metro is the subway, the buses, the taxis, everything. So you literally couldn't go anywhere. Like everything was shut down for like the first two weeks. And then, uh, Paris was crazy. There was like the next thing that happened was that the director of the school, which is like the Dean of the school Uh that I was doing the semester at, got arrested for raping a student oh, it was like everything was like not the glamour of paris no. that you expected uh-uh. it's a gritty city it's like yeah it's like any big city with it's, beautiful architecture yeah <laughs> <laughs> we actually got pictures of my wife changing the, the twins diapers in front of the loop they're on the stairs like they're <laughs> off to the left when you first pull in and she's like they need a diaper change so then now we get that and we go in and we're looking at all the art and just pictures i mean it was Granted, like I said, there's history and it's beautiful mm-hmm. to look at, but I would not stay there. It's like New York. I could not stay in mm-hmm. New York. I mean, I'll go and visit, but when we went to New York, horrible, horrible time. I mean, traffic is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I talked to a guy, though, now. Uh, he lives up in Brooklyn. His name is Sam Phelps. He says like a ghost town. He says there's nothing. He said you can go out there and there's nobody out. Crazy. Right? I mean, it's just the way the world has changed. Yeah. So has it, have your your started picking up getting more? I know Georgia's a little bit easier going than a lot of states. So have you been getting pretty good gigs lately? Yeah, it's been. I'd say since uh, those those three months, like April, May, June, mm-hmm. were like you know nothing was right. happening. Of course, everything was shut down. But since then, it's sort of slowly been picking back up. And I've had a steady church gig the whole time, okay. and then and even in those crappy months. Uh, I was doing some socially distanced like front porch concerts for people. I saw and stuff. one of those. Yeah, yeah. So those those are super fun. Um, See, I hear there's no front. You could do it, but there's nobody here. <laughs> <laughs> so my folks live in in Atlanta. That's okay. another reason we we chose Georgia. Okay, uh, is to be closer to family too. Yeah, and they live in one of those neighborhoods where it's like you know all the houses are right next to each other. So we used their front porch, yeah. and all their neighbors came out, and everybody was so starved for entertainment mm-hmm. that I mean, everybody came out. <laughs> there's like a hundred people gathered around, being like. Oh, thank goodness, live performance, you know? Yep. See, now, like, all this, I mean, like I said, I told you before, if, if we had more time and didn't get dark early, I'd take it to the where I do most of the interviews. But uh, we're actually inside the Songbird Studios, what I'm going to call it. 
but all this is, is family-owned land. So that was my mama's house, and this is, like I said, here. Uh, there's, like, out on the house down at the bottom, so there's kind of, like, five acres, nine and a half, if you had my sisters, it was oh, to it cool, as well. Cool, man. There's a, a, a pool out back that I want to drain and do concerts out of the pool. There you go. Like the old 90s yeah. stuff. So, so now, now that when mama died, I, I had to take care of all this stuff. And it's, I said, I like out here, I can do concerts, I can do stuff. But if you're trying to play for neighbors, you ain't going to find one. <laughs> you can do a festival here, man. The Songbird oh, I Festival. I did, yeah. I did a, uh, we, and two years ago, we did a benefit concert for uh, a friend of the band who was sick. And so we did that here, and we had Greg was one of the people that performed. Hunter, uh, Thomas Hines performed, um, Bree Fox performed, and then I said we went on last. And we, as soon as we went on, it started lightning and thunder and some shit. <laughs> <Shikes>. bitch. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to do stuff like you that. Ha- Halloween, we talked about actually turning this into like a scary place because oh, yeah. like I said there's a family cemetery back there, mm-hmm. and so at night. You know, people get freaked out. Like, we've had a couple guests, like, during the winter times, and we'll go up there and get started. I don't ever time these interviews. They go for as long as they go. But it started getting dark, so now there's noises being made, and they're like, <laughs> oh, my God, what is that? <laughs> so let's hear one of your songs, man. Yeah, man. There's a uh, plug-in right there for you, too. Cool. And I'm going to edit some of this stuff down, because so, I know there'll be changeover. I'll do, uh, since we were talking about L.A. Life, I got a song I wrote. Uh, called Tornado which is about uh, it's about a kind of girl that you don't want to love but you do and it takes place in LA <laughs> Tornado. 
<laughs> I like that. Thanks, man. That's on, that's on my album called Hellfire, which uh, I wrote it basically the whole thing when my band had a residency at this downtown bar in L.A., which was super rough. It was like a rough bar, and okay. people just wanted like fast, rowdy songs. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I wrote a bunch of songs like that. <laughs> See, that goes to something, too, because with people that are playing out, you kind of got to know your audience. If you're at a bar... Acoustic slow stuff is probably not going to work. <laughs> no, it won't work. And it, but it goes to, to songwriting too. Is a lot of yeah. people that write, and I, I write sad songs too. I think because it's easier to write, you're writing down. But you got to think when you're playing them out in front of somebody, they want stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, the first time I heard you was at that, and I mean, you blew me away with all the stuff that you had. I was like, that's. I heard your stuff, but hearing it live was just different. Oh, thanks. And man. that's that's why I ask people to play live because it's different feel. Totally different. I, I love to hear somebody sing live. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had songwriters that they don't want to sing. I said, that's fine. I mean, you could be a songwriter and not sing. You have to find somebody to sing them for you mm-hmm. if you want them to do that. I said, but that's part of it. I mean, I sing mine. I'm not the greatest singer, but I sing them because I have to. Mm-hmm. You know, So that's kind of part of what people should do. Absolutely. I mean, I think it if... If you want to be a songwriter, I, probably the most helpful thing you can do is play live. Mm-hmm. Um, and in different situations, too. Because playing a, a listening room is so different than playing at a bar mm-hmm. or like a rock concert. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? Like, they're, they're these totally different animals. And you learn... Well, first, when you start playing live, then when you go to live shows, you start to notice things you didn't notice before you're like why is this band killing it right now (laughs) (laughs) like what is it about what they're doing and you start to notice as a songwriter you're like oh like groove is a huge thing in songs yes you know and a lot of songwriters especially when they start out they know the chords you know but they're not thinking deeper than that they're not thinking of like what is what is about the sound of this song is going to be interesting is it going to move people right is it make them tap their toes and make them cry you know because mm-hmm. when you when you start out you feel a certain way mm-hmm. and then you play something and it feels like that to you right but it's not communicating what you think it's communicating yeah. at first and I mean, some people of course come out of the womb and they're just <laughs> these incredible communicators you know yep. like any like but most people who have to develop a craft you're not as good as you think when you start. Right. <laughs> well, you also got to think with it is is when you're when you play covers, they know the song. Mm-hmm. Whether you do it a different way or not, they'll eventually hear what they know the song. Mm-hmm. When you're doing your originals, they don't know your song, so the first thing they hear usually is the music. Mm-hmm. Now, does that catch them? Do you hit that minor chord that makes them like, oh, I'm sad, or do you mm-hmm. hit that groove like you said, mm-hmm. where they're they're dancing, they're having mm-hmm. a good time? Because I did a I did a show and I, I don't my my songs aren't like horrible but the story content if you listen to the stories is heathenism so it's not really appropriate for children <laughs> but when i went to the show in john's creek the kids were dancing little kids because they like the groove that's right and so i'm like sorry <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you know music music until you know relatively recently until the last you know 300 years mm-hmm. was 
always connected with dance like yeah. or ritual you know that's what it was for it was for a communal thing to make right. everybody come together move and everything so you know when you think about it in those terms you know before the classical era mm-hmm. i mean music is movement right. stuff and it's also difficult for i think songwriters starting out because you're not going to sound like a record when you play live because records are produced and right. they have tons of instruments on them and and the kick drums in your face and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. so when you're playing acoustically even when you're playing covers it takes a while to learn like how do you how do you communicate that groove with an acoustic guitar and the voice or something right. like that or how do you get that energy across without these crazy production techniques and that helps songwriting so much too like playing covers is a great songwriting tool yeah because you learn all these different changes and like once you get to know a little bit of theory you start to know how everything works and then you can you can use those tools in your own songwriting see the way i would have to do it because i hated doing covers so i could never I was always bad at time because if you're playing with the guitar, it's different. You're not stomping it out like you said when you, mm-hmm. when you did your stuff. But with when you're learning right, and for me it was, is I didn't know theory because I never took theory. So what I would do is I take these songs, I look at chord progressions mm-hmm. of songs, and then I would figure out a song on my own using those chord progressions. Mm-hmm. And as I played more and more, then yeah, like you said, you get the covers, and it helps you get an idea. I think more for melody, mm-hmm. especially because, it, I, and I and I was like this for the longest time, and, and I started learning it. Is that like when you got a song, you got the production, you got the groove, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the musical melody. You got the chord progressions, it changes it. Now, your singing on top of it's got to be different because you got a melodic tone there. Mm-hmm. So, do you have a great melody? Because you can have a great, great sound, a great groove, and kill it with a melody. Mm-hmm. You just it's can. true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it, I've done it. Yeah. That's, that's the, yeah, everything has to work together. Yeah. That's the key. Yep. And, uh, you know, if your words don't match your killer groove and your killer melody, mm-hmm. that can also kill it because people will start being like, what the heck is he talking about? Right. Like, <laughs> I had a sad song that was super fast. I'm like, yeah, oh. okay, that kind of messed it up. But, but that was like one of my first things in Nashville. It's, it does, it happens, but yeah, you got to figure that out. And you do it as you go. I mean, in, in country, in like blues, you can have really sad stuff that's fast. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of tons of like upbeat songs when you listen to them and go oh man that's brutal <laughs> but you don't think about it because uh-uh. the music again the mu- like we said before yeah. the music is the first thing you hear so in blues mm-hmm. and rock they rely on that musical groove mm-hmm. to bring you in mm-hmm. like you hit that blues that 12 bar blues nobody cares you could have, nobody care what, you, what you're saying they just know it's blues and mm-hmm. oh we're having some kind of blues today I mean mm-hmm. I had Hughes Taylor in here uh, a couple days ago or no two weeks ago mm-hmm and he does blue stuff. And we got I saw him play once in Mad Life, yeah. Yeah, he's really good, too. Uh-huh. So, you're kind of folksy. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of folksy. <laughs> now, do you, is that just what you feel like when you come out? I mean, is that just something that you gravitated to as you started writing? I suppose so. Uh, it was, yeah, I, I like all sorts of different music. Like okay. the band, the public trust I played in was like a sort of rock, soul like old style R&B okay. sort of band. And then I had a funk band for a while. But the reason that I've gone this direction, I think has more to do with my voice than anything. Okay. I got, I have a sort of lower register voice and I had, you know, played solo on Santa Monica Pier for a long time. Mm-hmm. Sort of solo. I don't have a huge range. I can't like 
impress people with my runs. You right. know, <laughs> I can't do anything that. So, I don't think you need them in country or folksy music. Yeah, so country folksy music just sort of fits my singing style because yeah. I don't have I just I don't have the acrobatic range like you can do it in rock like you know the national and like these kind of indie rock bands there's a lot of guys with lower voices mm -hmm. but in general rock's got more of a tenor almost everything's got sort of like a tenor yeah. feel to it or you can you know Barry White obviously did the R&B thing <laughs> and there's there's room for the low voice and R&B but I mean country and like folk yeah that's where it's at because when you do a low voice like Barry White it's all gotta be romantic you're kinda stuck on romantic songs yeah, yeah. and if you don't have a little orchestra behind you it's not as good <laughs> <laughs> I mean cause you can't imagine like Mike Tyson going out there singing a romantic song no. it's just not gonna work no <laughs> I love that my my favorite style of singing is that sort of like rough and ready like Ray Charles oh, and yeah. Teddy Pendergrass and David Ruffin and like those gritty soul singers I love mm. that sort of stuff wish I could do it yeah. like that. <laughs> like, so my, my voice has always been growly. Well, not always. I found it because, like you said, my voice is kind of country no matter what I do. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of turn it towards southern rock because mm -hmm. it stays country and it sings. But, I mean, I listen to the same thing like you do. I love I love uh, Aaron Neville. Was oh, yeah. Great singer. Oh, yeah. I mean, just listen to the man. I, it's unbelievable. I, I don't have a man crush, but if I did, he'd be up there, you know, because mm -hmm. that man could sing anything. So good. Now you're Chris Stapleton now. He's the same thing. He's got that... Dude. He's got a totally different style, but it's just there's something about it. Dude, those runs he does are crazy. Oh. I heard, who was it? Um, like, Country Mute doesn't have a lot of great singers. They just because of that. But mm -hmm. Vince Gill is one of them. Oh, Vince is amazing. I listen amazing. to that. And then, like, even like you go toward the pop side, Justin Timberlake. Mm -hmm. I like his stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like I so said, we can get to talk about this all day long because that's what I think when people try to find their way into music and they're trying to find their sound mm -hmm. you know and i use quotations because it's sound um you gotta try different things because mm -hmm. i mean listen to adam levine he doesn't talk as high as he sings and he wishes he could sing lower but it just sounds better higher mm -hmm. so how did you find your voice did it just kind of come to you when you were singing or yeah i through a process of of trying to do the other stuff and then mm -hmm. finally becoming resigned do we got a ben bostic boy band album out there anyway <laughs> no there's no ben bostic boy band album but you know like when when people when people listen to a record um, or when, when even people like see you live like when people see me live i'll do the one-man band thing i got all these instruments i'm playing the harmonica right. I, my guitar I, do, I practice the heck out of all these things 95 percent of the comments that you get when someone comes up to you after a show goes i love your voice and it's really weird because that's what people hear. Right. Like the, the voice communicates so much, you know, that there's that trite statistic out there that like 90% of communication is nonverbal or something. Mm -hmm. But people, the point being that people, listeners are so attuned to like the nuances of a voice right. and what's communicated just by the tone <laughs> and the phrasing of a voice that that's a lot of time besides like the groove and the feel of the instrumental song it's like the the feel of the voice is so yeah. important so for me when i was straining to to sing in a, in a range that wasn't really comfortable to me mm -hmm. it wasn't coming across because it was uncomfortable you know that's what comes across is like yeah this guy should drop the key <laughs> like, yeah you can tell when you're not into a song yeah i mean and it's not that you're not into it but that's another thing with 
it comes with time is the passion to sing it. I mean, mm-hmm. once you find your sweet spot in your key, I mean, change it a little bit. Don't try to do this every song in the same key. But mm-hmm. yeah, I like what you're saying. That's you have to you have to go to what what you got. You got to go with what you got. Right. And I tried so long to be like maybe if I. If I practice every day, I can get higher. It's not really the way the voice works. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who totally disagree, but for me, at least the journey was f- like finally discovering where my comfortable range was. Mm-hmm. And like my, my, everybody has sort of like an octave and a half or two octave range um, in general, sort of like the average yeah. like range, like an octave and a half. I can't remember what it is, but mine is not where pop music is <laughs> and once i i it might be if you do billy ellish songs you know because. yeah there you go <laughs> but once i finally uh decided that everything became way easier okay because nobody nobody's ever been like man i wish you sang higher you know? <laughs> <laughs> nobody's ever mentioned it and, and you know i don't try to do the acrobatic stuff people always ask me to sing tennessee whiskey and i always tell them you don't want to hear me sing Tennessee whiskey. You want to hear Chris Stapleton sing Tennessee. Yeah. That song is not even a song. It's just two chords, yeah. but he's killing the vocals. That's what you want to hear. Right. And that goes yeah. back to what we we're saying about the, the voice is an instrument and you got to, mm-hmm. and I had one thing I, had, I learned is you got to treat it like an instrument. So you, you, that's a layer of music. Like if you're in a production, you see it, you got like the, all the tracks and you got your little, uh, each little section, the drums, the bass, mm-hmm. the voice is part of it. So mm-hmm. you got to use that. So if you do two chords like he did, you know, mm-hmm. G and A, G and B minor, then it's easy. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's you just got to make your voice sound different because if you're not going to make the music sound different, you got to give the listener something. Exactly. Yeah. Something. And then you got other people that go like call crazy and like crazy chord progressions and it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. I, can do, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not that good enough a guitar player. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a good groove any day. Mm-hmm. A good groove and a good singer. That's all. That's I mean, yep. that's the best. So, um, who do you listen to now that kind of influences you on that way? I mean, do you have anybody that you really are, are digging on music wise? Man, all sorts of people. Like right now, right now, I've been listening to all like old stacks and Motown stuff. Okay, I'm super. I'm I'm digging it, and I'm right now. I'm trying to like build up a little bit of my covers repertoire just in a different direction because I did in in california i was doing all straight up like country and honky tonk like okay. that was and that's strange I, I wouldn't think california would be that oh dude once you get outside of the cities it's i mean there's tons of dance like line dancing clubs all that sort of stuff okay. tons of ranches everywhere you know so many cattle ranches everywhere it's pretty it's it's the west out there and then you have la it's like this gigantic city that goes on for 100 miles in every direction <laughs> but once you get out of that it's 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 the west people people wear cowboy boots and cowboy hats and it's not like a a funny thing yeah this is what they wear you know out (laughs) it's sort of like texas you know this is just how people dress um so i've played a lot of these dance clubs and a lot of the wineries are out sort of like you know where the land is cheaper obviously yeah and the climate is right so um but it was all like i and also in in a place like southern california where there's who knows how many 15 20 million people whatever i have no idea what the population is yeah. but it's a lot it's a lot um like i had a, my niche was country and, and like hard like straight up outlaw and honky tonk music and i could work all the time because mm-hmm. there's so many people you know uh here the gigs i've found that are like the country music people want some country but they also want some rock 
and they want some R and B, and they want they want more of a mixture of things. So yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to build up my cover repertoire, um, and right now I'm like loving those old Stax and Motown tunes, man. I just learned heard it through the Grapevine, which oh, is a super yes. weird tune. It's like I never I'd known the tune forever, but the verses are in my like uh, I don't know what the original is in. I'm playing it in. In A, so the verses are in A minor, and the chorus is in A major, and there's weird modulations. The accents are like it's just on the beat four every two every two measures. It's very strangely constructed tune, but yep. it grooves really hard. Yeah, that's a that's a funky song. Yeah. So we I listen to um, a lot of the old blue stuff like that too. That, mm-hmm. that you feel it, and I think with the way you're talking about like because there's so many different styles, I think a lot of it's because now Georgia has become more of a state where people come to because mm-hmm. of like I said now there's the second Hollywood house, Hollywood mm-hmm. of the South um, and then you got it's close to Florida without being in Florida and mm-hmm. it's just it's just more people so I mean when I moved I lived I've lived here in well, I've lived in Georgia my whole life I'm 43 years old but I've lived in this area for 35 years so when we moved up here um, 575 it actually stopped right there in Canton that's where wow. it stopped. Yeah. And then if you wanted to get to LJ or all that, you had to go around. They were building it, but it hadn't connected it yet. So it's a different style. Here now, I mean, like I said, when I'm out, I'm Southern Rock. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. I can. that's just what I do. So you're right about you have to find your niche, and I think the more you mm-hmm. know, the better you are. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have uh, a favorite cover that you do? Hmm. I love, I love finger style playing mm-hmm. um that's like my my hobby i love tommy emmanuel you know tommy emmanuel Mm-mm. oh man you know chet atkins yeah okay so chet atkins had like several proteges <clears throat> and this one dude named tommy emmanuel was like the the dude among his proteges and he took the the whole boom chick finger style chet atkins okay. thing to the next level and so he's originally from australia but he I think he used to live in Nashville. Now he lives in California. But anyway, he's like a master. And so I went to like a guitar clinic with him and everything, obsessed with it. And he does this version of um, Nine Pound Hammer, which is an old Merle Travis tune that I love playing so much. It's like a killer rendition of it. So that's probably my favorite cover to play. I still haven't like mastered it because it's so difficult, <laughs> but I love that. That's how I learned to play with finger picking because I could never hold of the picks. I just said, no, freaking, I'm not messing with that stuff no more. So I'm like, I just started finger picking mm-hmm. and I would, I would get myself and get in the dark and turn the lights off and just sit in the dark and finger pick so I can know where everything's at. Mm-hmm. And then I started to play with the pit because when you're playing out, if the, the sound guy doesn't turn you up, they're not going to hear you, mm-hmm. especially when you're finger picking. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to grow my nails out. I'll never have yes. long nails. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I know they have a lot of. They got that old, uh, that old coke finger picking. Yeah. Pick <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't no, do it. I can't either. I like the Tommy. Tommy's style doesn't play with the long fingernails either. He uses a thumb pick. I've seen like the little metal they do for the banjo picks. No, it's a plastic one. Okay. It's a. It looks similar, but it's just on your thumb, and okay. then the fingers just use the fleshy part. See, that feels weird because I don't want nothing touching my nails. So every time, cause my papa had a banjo and I would try uh-huh. it, 
And every time you hit it, it would pull your nail back. And it just freaked oh. me out. I was like, no, I can't do it. I, no, it doesn't do that. that. Oh, you're, pl- yeah, I know what you're, you're talking about those metal ones that sort of clamp on. Yeah. No, this is not, I wish I had one with me. I'd show you. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared off of finger picking like that. <laughs> I learned to the pit. Cause I mean, I can't, I, I told my wife is if I ever got tortured and they stuck bamboo under my nails, I'd, I'd give anything up. I can't do it. <laughs> there you go, people. That's, that's, I can't stand it. I, I can't stand that old file. Like people like the, when they go get their nails filed down, that sound just gives me the heebie jeebies. Oh, you got like a, a fingernail aversion. Oh my. <laughs> God, I like. I just start cringing and I get like chills and I just start shaking. I was like, no, thank you. I have to get out. It just, oh, man. It, it makes me sick. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is. It just, maybe it's that part of it, but whatever it is, it's, it's got me and yeah. I can no longer listen to that stuff. That's funny. I could never, I could never be one of these guys that gets my fingernails done. I just couldn't. <laughs> I, I don't know what I think about that. Anyway. That's funny. I, my wife, she doesn't even do that. She's military. So uh-huh. she's like me. She's, she, her nails are all chewed down and bit down and shot off. And <laughs> so you're, how long have you been married? You talked about your wife earlier. We've been together for six years, I think now. Six years. Yeah. And you have, do you have kids now? Two kids. Yeah. yeah. We got a two, two and a half year old and a one just turned one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So teeny tiny tots. Yep. My oldest is 24. Wow. Those Warner Robins and my twins are 11. Wow. So my wife, when I got remarried and I told her <laughs> she wanted a baby when we met. I said, I'll give you one. You got to trick me into two. So she got twins, boy and a girl. <laughs> so we go to the, and I've told this story before, but some people may not know it, is we went to the doctor when she got pregnant because she wanted to, her goal was she wanted to be 30, not be over 30 and have a baby. She didn't want to be anything over and have, mm-hmm. she knew she'd be too old. Or in her mind, that's what she thought she'd be too old. So the babies were born the day before she turned 31. Wow. The day her, her birthday <laughs> came right after. But when we went to the doctor and they said, she got a little the sonogram and all that stuff. It's like, hey, there's two heartbeats. There's, you got two babies. I'm like, wait a minute, I only ordered one. And the doctor goes, well, sweetheart, you got two. And you may have a third. I'm like, how is that possible? She said, well, sometimes you can get pregnant while pregnant. And yeah, let that sink Dude. in, people. You can get pregnant <laughs> while pregnant, and I'm like, that takes the fun out of everything. <laughs> That's so, crazy. Yeah, I, I no more babies for me. <laughs> no, yeah, you're good, man. <laughs> Twins. So how did your how did your wife and like it in Georgia? Good. I mean, we moved here at the wrong time, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we we told we loved the change from from L.A. Yeah. And she's been, you know, our. Our youngest was born last February okay. and we had just like, we just heard about COVID like that week before her dad was supposed to come in town for a conference mm-hmm. and the Chinese delegates canceled it because of COVID. That was the first we heard of it. <clears throat> um, so anyway, it's been a weird time to yeah. have moved here and she's originally from Iowa Okay. And so she's like, she doesn't know what's happening in the Southeast. <laughs> she's like, what am I doing in Lilburn, Georgia? Um, <laughs> but we love it. And she's got, she's a, a wardrobe stylist for um, film and TV and okay. ma- mainly commercials and like ads. She really doesn't, hasn't done much film and TV for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, so she freelances for that and she loves it. Now, does she dress you before you go on stage? Does she? Does she she tries to. She tries. Yeah, she always tries. She gets mad. So I, like, when I go on stage, 
I just sort of walk up there mm-hmm. in my street clothes, and she always gets so mad that I got my phone and my wallet in my pocket. She's like, it looks like there's a big bulge in your pockets. And I'm like, it is. That's how. <laughs> and then your back stuff. pockets or your front pockets? Front. Well, say that this would tell. That's what you want. You want the big bulge in the front pocket. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear another song from me, Ben. You got it, man. What you want to play this time? Um, let's see. <laughs> I had my thumb pick with me. I just didn't. I know we talked about thumb picks. I know. I'll play. I'll play one with my just my regular thumb. Right. So this one's. All right. This one's called "Too Dark to Tell," which is off my last record. This one's sort of in the style of Elizabeth Cotton who's a cool lady. I can tell you about her later. Okay. In this dark night too hard for me to say now If the rays of hope will shine again someday And if I might be spared as the tempest starts to swell At this point it's just too dark to tell It was the stars guided me to God's shores now Was the devil sent me drifting once more Will these clouds ever lift and the map again reveal? At this point, it's just too dark to tell. If these green-eyed blues would lighten up, if my nature would shake this wicked spell, if this midnight sky would brighten up, my ears could hear a voice saying all will be well then all is well all is well well i once was found now again i'm lost on merciless waves i am tossed i would tell you of his grace how it was I fell But some tales are just too dark to tell Well, 
I once was found Now again I'm lost On merciless ways I am tossed well, I will tell you of His grace And how it was I fell Some tales are just too dark dark to tell I did. <laughs> it was getting dark out yeah <laughs> but that close like the garage that's thing it's getting chilly in here <laughs> yeah a little bit you got a t-shirt on i know i'm, like, go. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the garage real quick keep it warm in here I'll, I'll tell i'll tell the story of elizabeth cotton in the meantime so elizabeth cotton i'm gonna get all the details wrong but you're gonna get the gist of her story she was a guitar prodigy growing up and then she married some guy who thought that non-religious music was evil. And so she quit playing guitar. And then she became a housekeeper. And she worked for the brother of Pete Seeger, the folk music impresario. You know Pete Seeger? He's, he's a dude who is like, an, he was like at the forefront of the folk music revolution in the 50s and 60s. Like that, that kind of guy. Um, and basically, he had no idea that like a true folk music prodigy was living in his brother's house for like 20 years. And then she finally picked up a guitar one day and played fingerstyle like that. And he was blown away. And so he's like, you're not living, you're not taking care of the house anymore. <laughs> and she made some records, like went on tour and stuff and became a little, little folk music had a little folk music career after not she hadn't played in like 40 years or something crazy like that that is crazy yeah but that that sort of style where it's a melodic bluesy folksy style mm -hmm. was that was her thing see I, I like that now listening to it it reminds me i'm sure you get this all the time jingles like music jingles do you hear it do you oh, get yeah, that yeah <laughs> and i think that's i think folks stuff just does you think the waffle house commercials uh -huh. or the old uh -huh. you're tired something it just it's got that upbeat happy little mm -hmm bounce to it as mm -hmm. always say it it's like it's a bounce to it it reminds me of like a jingles and stuff it's like have you ever tried to write jingles i wrote a few i mean I not like not straight up jingles but i did commercial music okay for some cult 45 commercials with billy d williams <laughs> <laughs> which was cool my buddy directed him and he was like i need some music i said let's do it yep see and it's, again it goes who you know i mean you, yeah yeah because you did a song feeling mean which mm -hmm. you heard and that was on like a minecraft game. oh yeah how did i get onto that Dude, game it was the craziest day so i just i have my music up on music libraries where like people <clears throat> if they're making a, a music video or making a video for youtube or whatever and need royalty free music uh -huh. they can buy it from these sites for well, whatever i can't like some of them you have to be subscribed to to get it they're music libraries where you have to subscribe or you buy them by track and then they're okay. cleared so like these people make their videos and they can still make money from their videos. Okay. Whereas if they, if like someone just used my song in their video and didn't get a royalty-free licensed version, then I would get all the money from their video. Right. Is it like Submit Hub or something like that? It's uh yeah similar. I'm on um, Art. Let's see, Art List is probably the one that most people get it off of because okay. it's connected to YouTube. I guess. Um, but I'm on like four or five of them. Um, so this YouTube Minecraft. 
Minecraft YouTuber, I guess is what you call him, uh-huh. um, used one of my songs in his video, and I had no idea. Like, I knew that Minecraft existed. <laughs> right. Like, I'd never played it. Like, I'm too old, you know. But it was Christmas Day, and I was sitting there with my family, and my phone started going bananas. <laughs> like, just like buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I'm trying not to look at it because I'm there with my family uh-huh. and eating. And then finally, I just had to look. And all the comments are like, hear from dream, dream, dream. Everything said dream. I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> so it was this YouTuber, Minecraft dude named Dream. Used my song in like minute 50 of his two-hour video. Uh-huh. And he has 15 million followers. So a couple hundred thousand of his followers decided to check out the song. (laughs) And everybody said that they were from the dream video. And I had, I mean, like that song had maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30,000 views before that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like in the hundred thousands. Just yeah. like in a day or two. It was now, crazy. They had to pay you for it, right? But you don't get the royalty well, off of it. I don't get the royalties part. off it. No. See, that's the thing. He he paid like nine bucks for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you get some downloads or something leaks out of it. Yeah, people you get downloads. We get the Spotify spins. Like people also listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. And then uh, YouTube pays like almost nothing. YouTube's crazy. Yeah, they're all like that. Yeah. Spotify is not terrible. Spotify and Apple Music are like not terrible. YouTube's terrible. YouTube is like one one thousandth of a cent per view or something crazy. Yeah, and I don't know how they do that because, I mean, I'll look at mine, same thing, and then some songs, they'll pay me more. I was like, why do you pay more for that song? And I don't understand the algorithm of it. I don't either. Well, this bidding, so I learned this uh, when when that was happening because on the Feeling Mean, my, my own upload of Feeling Mean, I do obviously make money from. Right. And... I started making way more per view than it had been before. And that's because they have this system where viral videos go up in on YouTube for advertisers. Oh, okay. It's like if it's a trending or like viral, it's, my video is not like a crazy viral video. It's only got a couple hundred thousand views, but a couple hundred thousand. <laughs> to get up. like a real viral video has got like crazy millions. Yeah. This, this is like a, a Minecraft blip. Right. <laughs> That's all it is. But even then, like the preview went from like one, one thousandth of a cent to like one tenth of a cent per view <laughs> or something like that. Like, right. <laughs> which is, which is weird. Mm-hmm. So the more views you get, the more money you make. So yeah, that's, see, that's a, that's a lot of that stuff too is, is, I mean, everybody, that's what they want to hit. They want to do singles. They want to make Spotify. And I don't know why, because Spotify's not going to pay. You're not going to make a whole lot of money. The places to get it where you're going to make your money as a songwriter is like sync music. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what, when you saw that, I saw that. I was like, wow, hopefully he's getting paid off that. And then you find out you're doing the artist stuff. Like, okay, well, maybe somebody will hear it from that. And then they'll like, okay, let's do this movie. That song fits this movie. Then they got to mm-hmm. come to you. And that's, Even the syncs, though, aren't that great. Like, I got some syncs. And like that because of li- libraries have killed the sink basically mm-hmm. because like for me i make i make a good portion of my living from the libraries but it's from you know tons of people making videos and paying nine bucks a song you know what yeah I mean? from you know how are, the people who use the libraries are like everybody in the world um so you have people in japan and india yeah you know using my music for a very low price but there's so many of them that makes up a big portion of my living from there whereas the sync world 
he's like might might get a couple of thousand bucks or whatever like that yeah but then it's done and, and then you, you get, get like a, a royalty movie, right? check yeah. but yeah if it's a big movie yeah. like this plays a lot then you get the ASCAP royalties and stuff yeah. and you know I get ASCAP royalties but it's not, you can go buy a cup of coffee put a right. down, down payment <laughs> on a burger you know? <laughs> see and I'm glad we got in this conversation because yeah. a lot of times I mean that's we're talking about listening to albums I don't know if many people do that much anymore yeah, I do, but I'm like I don't know anybody else that does besides right. other musicians. See, <laughs> I've always like I've always like made mixtapes and stuff, mm-hmm. and like I would the only albums that I could ever really listen to because I just, I'll just get nowadays the singles. But the, I would listen to like Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. I love Lenny Kravitz. He did a uh, album called Circus. That yeah, man, favorite. I have that Lenny album. Yeah. I love that. Uh-huh. It's hard to find too. Uh-huh. I love that one. Uh, John Cafferty, I'll listen to yeah, them yeah. all day long because uh-huh. I love when he did Eddie Cruiser stuff. I'll just put that yeah. soundtrack in, and then the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. I like the that. Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. I like that. Where'd the that second movie. <laughs> the second one. It's good. It's got like all kinds of different because it's different, but it's the soundtrack. What's the dude who scored that? Oh, was it Elfman? No, oh, I can't remember his name. Dun 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 dun. Uh, oh, I can't remember that guy's name. Anyway, he does he does a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. He was one of those early synth adopters that was like defining the sound of mm. like the synths back then. I've got a song that I wrote that I, because of that synth I want to put mm. in there, kind of because like, it's an '80s style song. Because I was like '80s music, you gotta bring <laughs> that stuff in because it changes now. I mean, like totally. everybody shoots for singles and they don't shoot for album. Like they want to do EPs at the most. I, I still like the old days, just buying an album. Do you have like physical CD copies? Do you actually get them? Mm-hmm. I printed vinyl with my first couple of records. Did you? Which is yeah, super fun. I was gonna do it for the last one, then the pandemic hit. My last one came out in April last year. Okay. Terrible timing. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you find? I know vinyls. Um, who do you used to get your vinyls made? I did uh, two different people. The first record, I, had, I did like piecemeal. I had a buddy, a buddy who runs this vinyl mixtape monthly mixtape service called vinyl moon okay it's awesome so every every month shout out to brandon bogashevitz in la and vinyl moon every month he sends out an album a vinyl record to his subscribers with a bunch of different songs from different artists and um he has a different designer do the artwork and the disc art and everything every month and the artists are all cool people you've never heard of it's a great service but anyway he knew everything about like how to do vinyl Mm -hmm. so he hooked me up with like a different person who produced the jackets and then he'd send the jackets to the pressing plant and then yada yada it was like a just ordeal and it took way too long so the second time i went through pirates press which is they're in northern california or something like that but they press everything in the czech republic and somehow cheaper to like press everything in the czech republic and send it back here uh, than to get something pressed at rti which is where my first one was pressed and then have the jackets put on and all that sort of stuff um but they're the czech republic ones are a little flimsier you can tell like the cardboard is not quite as thick yeah. you can tell they're a cheaper product but for the price it worked and then the last one i just didn't do it because i wasn't going to be out yeah selling stuff because people don't really like my my like online store i would get maybe a couple orders a month but it's it's not a big source of income yeah i mean and that's kind of where for everybody is it's, it's more of you're going to get a little bit from here a little bit there you mm-hmm. know you got to do all this stuff but it's it's not it's not feasible to carry all this merch with you that you're just holding on to that you got to pay for until it, you're not gonna make your money back 
it's so hard to make your money back on it. I mean, you can the more you sell, but like I said, with like I'm not going to grab a couple hundred dollars worth of shirts and have them on me and wait to get my money back on. That's just crazy. But nowadays, you can just order them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know uh, Thomas does like download cards and stuff, mm-hmm. which I thought was a cool idea. But I still like the idea of having like a physical CD, like mm-hmm. album. I mean, I've got a record player I could play an album, but I can't carry it with me, so I carry it like a CD. But hell, now I use um, you got iTunes, you just digitally stream it, and then you can listen to it as you go. Mm-hmm. And like so, we did. That's why I do with the um, the countdown is I made it. I make a Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. I know you're not going to get much, but the more people listen, I can make like a curator. Mm-hmm. And it can help you guys make absolutely know, pennies on the dollar. Dude, I listen. I mean, as a, as an artist, I listen to Spotify all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't buy. I buy vinyl because I I just like it. I like the big yeah. artwork and stuff. I don't buy CDs anymore, even though CDs sound great. Yeah, my little girl, uh, we bought her vinyl because she loves Queen. Eleven year old love Queen. I let her watch Wayne's World, and that's when she fell. On, <laughs> that's when she fell in love with Queen. Oh man, I know every word of that movie. I can recite it. <laughs> oh, she can too. I guess oh, she's good. She, <laughs> she's like living the now. You never afford it. <laughs> so I mean, because we're still talking about Stairway to Heaven. I mean, she loves that movie. Oh man. And then we bought her um, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. the soundtrack on vinyl. So she awesome to that stuff. Yeah, and then like so for me, I have like if for my old stuff, I haven't bought them on time, but I've got to go to Sesame Street, like the little vinyl disc. I don't know what you call them. I think it's the same thing, but they're mm-hmm. like forty fives, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we listen to all that stuff. That's yeah, so cool. But now, I mean, it's so accessible. You can just plug in your computer. You can plug in your phone mm-hmm. um, and just listen. Yeah, you find cool playlists on there, like yeah. the ones you're making and other people make. Like, dude, I I love Spotify. Yeah, and I also I, mean, I make most of my living as a live performer right so it doesn't bother me that i'm not making tons of money off of that i just, i mean i'm probably in the minority like i don't really care yeah <laughs> like it's 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 way better for me as like a consumer to be able to listen to any music i want to at any time yeah like i'd love it i love spotify and, and if you're trying to make you live on spotify you're not going to you just Dude. can't i mean the it's not set up that way. The numbers are not in your favor. No, and I know people will like pay these people to play their stuff. I don't. I'm not gonna charge you by to play their music because that's like payola to me. That's like I don't even see how that's even legal, but they do it. People will pay them, mm-hmm. you know, twenty bucks here, thirty bucks here, mm-hmm. just to get a thousand spins. It don't even if it's real or not. The true fan is always people that come to the shows mm-hmm. and they listen, they buy your merch, they buy, they download your songs. That's kind of where your audience is, and. The other stuff, it's not that it's it's bad because people are going to listen to it that normally won't hear it. Mm-hmm. But then again, like I said, if, if you're trying to make a living that way, you got to be an artist. But if you're a songwriter, it's kind of hard to do that because you're not an artist. Mm-hmm. So like you're a performer, an artist, you're different. You are you do this for a living and you started like on, in California as a, as a street performer doing mm-hmm. the, the busting stuff there and you learned to come up that way. So for somebody who's not a performer do you have any advice for them how to get their stuff to the performer do you like do you take music from other people or no. do you just listen i just i i've never like no one's ever approached me with a song either uh-huh. but like i wouldn't be really interested honestly because i love songwriting that's right. my that's my favorite thing like the re- the reason that i learned to perform was to perform right song in my songs you know mm-hmm. um do you get to do original but, shows now? Can you do an oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Even even the cover shows, I play usually about 50-50 yeah. originals. Nobody is ever, even the ones, that, like, you'll go to a place, they're like, we want covers. 
and then you play half originals. Nobody's ever said anything to me. Right. They're just, not going to. If as long as what you're playing is got like good energy, mm-hmm. they don't care what you're playing. Right. Because you can take and cover and screw it up, and then they know that. Yeah. If you screw up your original, they don't know that. They have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I had, I don't honestly have any idea as as just a songwriter. I my my like career if you want to call it that in quotes has been so separate from the music business at large mm-hmm. like like everything I've, I've never I'm a one man shop like right <laughs> I don't do it have See, any connection to managers or agents or publishers or anything yeah. like that so I don't I wish I had some advice but it's See, it's cool to do it this way though because I just own everything when people yeah. come to me with an opportunity I don't have to talk to anybody I don't have to like see where mm-hmm. the legalities are i just say cool let's do it like right. you can use my song in your movie <laughs> <laughs> and they send me a contract and yep. i read it and they're good that's and that's good i mean because mm-hmm. like we talked about before the idea of of making it and again i'll use air quote to make it is different for everybody mm-hmm. like you're making making it is making a living you're making a living doing it now if your idea is to be the next pop icon you know you're gonna have to do it a little bit different and again, you got to remember it's a business, mm-hmm. and it's it's not. It's great when your family and your friends come out. That's that's to get you started, but mm-hmm. you got to learn to take criticism with it too. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of the times that songwriters don't want to take the criticism or listen to their song because they're they're, they're oh I wrote this I don't want help with it, and it's fine. But if your goal is to to do that, mm-hmm. then you may want to be a little bit more open to it. Like I said, you're, you're, you're everything you got yours. You don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It works because you do. But for somebody like who wants to come up and play, I always tell them that get somebody else to sing your song to listen to it. It helps. Mm-hmm. Now, especially like non-performers, of like course, yeah. performers. So, all that roundabout where I'm trying to go is where do you see yourself in like five years doing the same thing? Do you have like a a goal that you want to get to? Is there like a mountain you're, you're climbing that, that brings uh, you to the top? I mean, my goal... So I've, I've seen the other side of the... I've seen the business side because mm-hmm. my wife worked in in that area. She yeah. worked with a lot of musicians. She worked with, you know, Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was the, like, assistant stylist for Lana Del Rey for years. And she worked mm-hmm. with a bunch of other big, like, major label clients with, you know, Dua Lipa, who's like a gigantic star now oh, yeah. Yeah. um so that world is uh, my my analogy i've probably said this on another podcast at some point is like people in the business side of music care about music as much as people in the toilet paper industry care about <laughs> toilet paper it's like they don't care like no. it's it's a business it's a true business people yeah. don't understand how much of a business it is it is about money and mm-hmm. it's about power and these like the things that all businesses are about growing and about and as an artist you're a commodity you are a roll of toilet paper yep. you know what i mean you are a brand of toilet paper like they're trying to make people buy the one with the with the the bear on the front instead of the one with the the man you know what i mean it's yep. like you're not a you're not important in the business right. you're merely a means like when you're on a billboard that means somebody else is making a lot of money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's, I mean, just be aware if you're going that route that your, 
what originally got you into music mm-hmm. might not be valued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's image, like you said. It's, it's image, you know, and, you know, everybody's heard the radio. It's like, it's not like the greatest songs become the most popular songs. Right. It's just not the way that it works or the most meaningful songs. It's not the cream rises to the top. It's a matter of business, you know, right. who has the most promotion power, you know, who's is the hot got the hottest look who's at the right age at the right demographic Mm -hmm. what are they pushing at any certain point in time you know all that sort of stuff is way more important than the sounds that are made um and you know how many instagram followers you have how how outrageous you can be what are you willing to do to become famous those are the things that are important if you Mm -hmm. want to become a pop star like for me like nothing could interest me less <laughs> than doing all the things you need to become like a famous pop star. Right. It seems like such a headache. Um, I love music so much. I've always loved music. I've always been a, such a huge fan. My goal is just to make consistently make more and better music. Like that's, that's and it's been working out so far. I'm trying to do like one album a year. I actually just before I came here just finished recording my new album. Okay. So it's gonna go to it's gonna be months till it comes out because it's got to be mixed and mastered and all that sort of stuff. But um, I love it. I love the process to play music. I love practicing. I love playing shows. I love hanging out with other musicians, mm-hmm. especially like <clears throat> I love jazz musicians. Like the real nerdy musicians are my favorite. <laughs> Like once you get like deep into the theory stuff yeah. and you talk about obscure records, that's my favorite. <laughs> I just love like the music part of it. And I'm the worst. If you've ever seen my Facebook or Instagram, I haven't posted it on Instagram for like six months. I'm like, <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know. I, ha- I don't have the will. I'm too, I'm 37. Like mm-hmm. the sort of social media thing is like a chore to me instead of second nature. Oh, and it, it can be. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be. But like I said, for, for you, your idea is plan and you get it lined up that's mm-hmm. how it works and i mean that's that to me would be the idea of if you can sustain your livelihood doing music that's like a dream dude i feel like i've made it like when the first time i went out on the pier and like made a couple hundred bucks mm-hmm. i was like awesome <laughs> like this is it yep. you play whatever i want like to these people and they're gonna give me money because they like it that is making it like mm-hmm. when people pay you to do what you love, you made it in yep. any field. Oh yeah. You know? And I think if your goal is to get paid more than anybody else in the world for doing what you love, that's a totally different thing. <laughs> <laughs> then you need to, you need to ask yourself what your goal actually is, you right. know? And that's a good point is, is not the, the, the make more money anybody, but the set goals for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and do achievable goals. You don't like, you can get, you can, think okay i'm I'm gonna sell out the rhyme okay Mm -hmm. well you got to make these steps to get there do smaller steps i don't want to get my first show i want to sell out my first show i want to sell this many tickets and blah blah and move up that Mm -hmm. way and that that's achievable i think sometimes some people reach so high and when they can't reach it then they fall down Mm -hmm. and they're like they don't want to get back up i I don't think you can do it that way i can't do it that way songwriting is I can be 70, 80 years old and still songwrite. Will I be able to perform? No, probably not. You but I could, yeah. I could songwrite. I mean, Dolly Parton does, but Dolly Parton I'm does. not Dolly. <laughs> Leonard Cohen was in his 80s still yeah. doing, writing amazing songs. And he couldn't sing, but he, his voice was amazing at the end. Yeah. Holy cow. Dude, I mean, that's the thing about music, though. It's like you can do it for a long time, mm-hmm. but the, the dreams of fame and fortune are the things that are 
like for for the most part the people who achieved like the true fame and fortune were child actors mm-hmm. like you look at justin timberlake britney spears yeah you look at justin bieber drake all these people were on nickelodeon and disney channel and oh, yeah. stuff you know what i mean like if you're not already famous when you're nine you can sort of forget about <laughs> it you know taylor yeah. swift you know yeah. you know or have huge like Taylor Swift comes from huge amounts of money, you know. So that's like there's all these factors that people don't see mm-hmm. when they look at these pop stars. Um, like my advice to somebody who wants to make it in a in a more real way is to become amazing at what you do. Right? You know what I mean? Like become an undeniable force, and then people will want to see you and stuff yeah. rather than tr- focusing on the promotion and stuff becomes so good that that's its own promotion. Yeah. I look at like George Strait. I mean, I love, I love George, George Strait. Strait. Yeah. He, and he said there was a guitar singing. He's not fancy. Mm-hmm. He's Garth Brooks. Great too. He's a whole mm-hmm. different one. Cause he, his shows, he mm-hmm. puts on amazing shows. That's his, his niche is, mm-hmm. you know, is he the greatest he's a showman? No, but he's a showman. Mm-hmm. You go to one of his shows and you had, you've been entertained. Mm-hmm. George Strait. Is he a great singer? No. Is he a great showman? No, but he has something. He's doing, you know, it's... it's. He's got his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just become really good. I mean, that's like the... And you can always become better. Like, every... Like, when I write a song, like, I want my song I'm writing to be better than the last one I wrote, Mm -hmm. you know? There's... And that's part of the fun of music, too, is, like, you can improve forever at it. Your music can become deeper and more meaningful and you know just better over time and it may not be it may not be like a pop hit but that's that's okay that's okay (laughs) because we we live in like in the spotify world where everything's accessible and there's people out there who want to hear your song Mm -hmm. it's just it might take a couple years like my feeling mean experience is a weird thing you know nobody listens to that song for it's been out since 2018 and then all of a sudden (laughs) end of 2020 Hundreds of thousands of people are listening to yep. it, you know, just because of a, a YouTuber, because of a Minecraft video. Yep, my son plays Minecraft. He always never heard that song. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then he goes back to doing what he's doing. It's funny. The kids are kids are funny. I had a guy come up, a friend of mine. Uh, he, he was in the band uh, Trick Pony. His name is Keith Burns. He came up and he's like a Grammy nominated artist, and he's like popular with like people my age they know who they are he comes in and says hi kids they go, hi and they go right back to playing their game <laughs> they don't they don't care i mean yeah. kids are funny they don't care no yeah. uh you, did you say Lilburn? you you live in yeah you yeah. gotta drive then don't you a little bit yeah. okay well let me get you one more song you got it uh and then i'm gonna ask you a question if you heard the podcast you know what's coming if not you're about to be surprised i've never heard a dude i don't do, i don't do anything with two little kids <laughs> let's see i play i'll leave it on an upbeat note here I played this one at the showdown so it's called The Juggler
Indians have three lovers And I burn through Trojan rubbers like no one But when I'm not between the sheets I'm busy staying undercover Ain't as sweet as it seems being the juggler Yeah, cause Edith likes eating at East of Eden Where Wendy works on Wednesday evenings And Donna Lee visits her laundry two doors down So when I'm out to eat with Edith I'm always worried Wendy's watching And equally that Donna Lee's gonna be around What's worse is Wendy lives by the Wally world Where Donna Lee goes to the pharmacy And Edith's ex-old man is employed there so I choose to keep a low profile and sneak around like it's going out of style and try to keep these balls up in the air. Yeah, they call me the juggler, cause I always have three lovers. Sometimes I wish I had me a twin brother. Because it takes a lot of steam making all that hubba hubba. Ain't as sweet as it seems being the juggler. Yeah, well, I had three more the month for Tanya, Tina, and Isadora, but that all ended in a puddle of tears and blood. I had Tanya down for ten to noon, Tina turned up around one or two, and Izzy'd use me all night like a stud. Then one day Tanya showed up a little late, and Tina turned up a lot of early, so fists were flying till Izzy came that night. I'm pretty sure it's the doors when they threw me on the floor While Tanya and Tina punched and kicked and swore And long story short, I lost the fight Yeah, they call me the juggler Cause I always have three lovers They come and go, but there's always another Yeah, I guess I can't be pleased by just one lady's comfort Ain't as sweet as it seems being the juggler Find someone to make me settle down But I'd hate to be the one to make her suffer Cause in one of them days we'd go to town One of my friends would flag us down and say You know why everybody calls him the juggler And I'd have to explain Yeah, did they call me the juggler? Cause I always have three lovers And I burn through Trojan rubbers like no other Yeah, when I'm not between the sheets I'm busy staying undercover Ain't as sweet as it seems being the juggler <laughs> There you go, the juggler Go straight for the juggler, as they say Yeah, I heard that one, man That was so funny when you did that <laughs> That's a hilarious song Thanks, man Not a true story My wife <laughs> wants me to say <laughs> My <laughs> that's funny my wife says the same thing when i write a song like that better not be a true story <laughs> i wrote a song uh while i'm working on now it's called bad for me mm-hmm. so the first line is like glitter in the ear dollar bills everywhere you know <laughs> she goes that better not be about a stripper because i used to work for mardi gras I don't know if you know mardi gras uh, yeah, yeah. it's a strip club i used to uh-huh. work at the strip clubs i was like the doorman so when i met her that's why i was working and we went out to get some meat so i had all these ones and i'm buying stuff because We've been in a strip club. It's like that's where I work. <laughs> she goes, "What?" I, said, I told you where I worked when we met. <laughs> so, she blocked it out. Yeah, uh-huh. she, she didn't. She didn't think didn't even think anything about it. Oh, it's a Mardi Gras. They sell beads or something. Like no, not there. So <laughs> I had to get another job later. So. I've had a good time, Ben. Yeah, likewise, man. It's I been think, great to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. I know you had a drive, so I'm gonna keep you longer. It's all good. Um, man. I will ask you a question. Okay. All right. 
Now we can do one of two things. <laughs> uh, you can tell me you're hidden talent. You got a hidden talent. Oh, God. No, besides being a one-man band. <laughs> <laughs> Which everybody knows because they've seen me. <laughs> um, or you can try your musical trivia. Let's try musical trivia. Okay. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to give you... Uh, I'm nervous. Pick the genre. A genre? Yeah. Rock. All right. So I'm looking up a rock song. Tell everybody where they can find you at all your social media. You got it. All the places that you said you don't check. <laughs> I check them. I just don't post up there. People <laughs> message me. I'll message you back. I promise you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Ben Bostic. That's at Mr. Ben Bostic. Um, on Facebook dot com slash Ben Bostic Twitter at Ben Bostic that's all I got my website is Ben dot com and my last name is spelled B-O-S-T-I-C-K now you said I just now when you said Ben Bostic it, it hit oh like Shaggy Mr. Ben Bostic yep man when I was in fifth grade that's what I didn't hear the end of that they called me Mr. Ben Bostic actually <laughs> my uh my publishing quote unquote publishing company which is where I register my the publishing half of my songs is a from a misheard lyric from that song I thought the song was said they call me Mr. Boombastic Simply Fantastic uh-huh. but and so my publishing company is called Simply Fantastic Music turns out he says in a very thick Jamaican accent say me fantastic Oh, so see, I thought it was simply fantastic too. Not, but not what he says. That's like uh, when Jimi Hendrix, you know, Voodoo Child. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. like <laughs> bathroom on the right, right? <laughs> All right are you ready for the song? Oh yeah. All right, this is a drinking game we do here at the house, so we want my own drink. You got to drive. Um, I'm gonna read you the lyrics, but I'm gonna read it to you in a different way. So I'm not. I won't read the the chorus until you, until you give up on it. All right. I get up, and nothing gets me down. You got it tough. I've seen the toughest around. And I know, baby, just how you feel. You got to roll with the punches and get to what's real. This jump? Very good. Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's what I thought it was for a second. Like the first couple of lines, I was like, it sounds like jump. And that, man, I definitely have not listened to the rest <laughs> of those lyrics. Yep, that is that is jump. Wow. Good job. Right. You did good. Thanks, man. So I gave you an 80s one. We were talking about rock and roll in 80s. Yeah, man. Van Halen, I love Van Halen. <laughs> man, David Lee Roth made that band. Sammy Hagar did pretty good. but when oh, David Diamond Dave. So, again, I want to thank you for coming up, Ben. Thanks, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. And uh, like I said, if you want to put another song in the countdown, let me know. Uh, if you want to do your album review, we do that. Oh, what cool. I, what I'll do for that is uh, just bring the album, and we'll upload it. And then each song, you talk about it. Because I'm a songwriter. I like the stories. So you'll talk about a song, we'll play it. Talk about the next song, we'll play it. And it'll go through your whole album that way. Awesome, man. That'd be super fun for this. There's a lot of stories on this song, okay. on this album. So. Perfect. And I, yeah. if we do it right, I'll release it to the, the day. Because that one, I don't have to edit. It's just talking about the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll release it on the day of your album release. Cool. So just let me know, set it up, and we'll come do that again. Awesome, man. So. All right, everybody. That was Ben Bostic. This is Georgia Songbirds. It's way over there. i got to cut it off. <laughs> I'm feeling mean, I'm feeling mean 
Yes, I'm 